Amen. Okay, we are going to study the book of Philippians for the next two or three months, uh, and hopefully we'll get through them. Now, I have to tell you that, you know, in our home group, it takes us about two or three years to go through a book. Today, <laughs> we're hoping to do this in a little bit less time than this. Now, you will notice my map, and then you can compare it to Noah's map. Little, I like that guy. <laughs> but this is, this is Paul's second missionary journey, and we want to talk about that journey for just a few moments as we get started in, in the way of an introduction to the book. But, uh, uh, and this, of course, is from the, uh, from the maps in, our book, uh, in, our, in the Bible. I know you all have those same maps. But... Uh, but we want to talk about it because this is where, or we want to look at it for a few minutes. So I'll ask you, if you would, to turn to Acts 16 and just keep your thumb there, if you would. And um, uh, because we're going to flip, we're going to go back into it and look at it for a little while. And then we'll go back to Philippians 1 and, uh, and, and start, the, start the book at that point. But uh, this, um, this is a... a, a a fantastic book. It's one of my favorite, one of the favorite books that I, you know, that I've ever read or, or looked through or studied or, or, or um, uh, taught before. But it is a book of joy and 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 happiness and thanksgiving. And and when you see or when you realize what Paul was going through, you wonder how can he have that much joy? How can he tell people? Be joyful, you know, and, and, and as you study and you get an idea or you get a picture of, of, um, uh, of Paul, uh, you see more in this book about his personality, about his person himself, and, and, and that's good because we want to, you know, he's not just a writer, he's a person. Now, Paul was a very zealous person. He would have made a good Alabama fan. Because right or wrong, <laughs> you know. But he was he was this person that that you know uh, very zealously persecuted the Christian church, the Christian sect uh, uh, of the Jewish church when they, when it first started. He he went from house to house pulling people out. You know he was there when Stephen was martyred and he took part in it. And then he met Jesus. And you know what? He became a very zealous Christian, a very zealous missionary. And he went all over the world. He, he suffered. He, he endured hardships. He did all of these things because of the gospel of Christ. Uh, the authors that I, a couple of the authors that I was looking, using as, as commentaries uh, described him as a single-minded person. Paul had a single mind. What do you think that mind was? Preach. <laughs> Preach. Because no matter what situation he found himself in, he preached. He told, you know, about Christ and, and what Christ had done for him and what Christ can do for you. So this, this, is, this is Paul. Now, Philippi was a city in 
Macedonia, and if you look up there, or if you have your, your map in the, back of your, in the back of your Bible, this was, this was the route that Paul took on, the, you know, on his second missionary journey. He left Jerusalem, of course, down here in your lower right, uh, in, in, and then went up all the way over to Troyes, T-R-O-A-S, up there on the, on the, on the coast. Troyes was the, supposed to be the, the city, or the site, rather, of the ancient city of Troy. You remember Helen of Troy, sail of the face of sail that, that uh, launched a thousand ships, you know, the, uh, the Battle of Troy, the Trojan Horse, and so on and so forth. Troas was, was that city, or supposed to be that city. From there, he sailed on over to Neapolis, which is just up there near Thrace, down a little bit. That was the seaport associated with Philippi. This is approximate location of, of, uh, of Philippi. Down here was, uh, uh, I just said it. <laughs> Thank you, Neapoli. <laughs> so he landed here and went up to Philippi to, to preach and to establish that church. Now, Philippi was a Roman colony. What does that mean? Because he it, it, it says here, or he, he talks about this, in here, it was a Roman colony. Now, what is a Roman? What, did, what, what difference does that make? Weren't they all Roman colonies? Anybody? Not necessarily. Not necessarily. A Roman colony was was one that that, that enjoyed the same privileges as Rome. And they were scattered throughout the, the, the Roman Empire. But Philippi was, was you know, a very vibrant city. It, 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 its, its taxes were the same as those in, in Rome and not as a conquered nation or a conquered country. Uh, it, was, it was part of the Roman Empire, part of the Roman world. It was an elite status, if, if you would, to say you were from Philippi, you know. And, and that was... Uh, that was a, a, a big thing, a good thing here. But, which means, and we'll see this in a minute, that it was mostly comprised of Gentiles. There were not a lot of Jews. Now, you know, I'm sure there were some Jews in Philippi, but not that many. So Paul has established or helped establish this church. And, and again, we'll look at this as we go. <clears throat> but he established it in Philippi in, during that time, and it became a very vibrant, vibrant church. Now, of course, as anywhere the Word of God is, the lies of Satan are also. So things had entered into it, but by and large, it was it was uh, it was a pretty good place to pretty good place to be, and it was one of the one of. Uh, Paul's successes, I guess, when he was, you know, when he was doing that. We think that it was written about the time, about anywhere from about 58 to 62 or 64 A.D. It was, uh, it was before the dispersion, but it was, uh, it, it was during that time when, when you know, the, the church was expanding out. Now, the church, the Christian church at that time, was looked on by a lot of people, by, by a lot of outsiders, as just being another part of the Jewish church. It was, it, was a, it was considered to be, by some, 
during this time, a sect of the Jewish church, you know, a denomination, if you would, or an, or an offshoot or something to that effect. It hadn't gained its identity yet as a Christian church, even though the, you know, the, 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 the evangelists and the, the missionaries preached Christ and, and, and his values. It hadn't taken hold to be a separate individual. So what would Paul usually do when he came to a new city or a new town? Go to the synagogue. He would find the synagogue, go there, and preach. He was following, again, the idea of the Jew first and the, and the Gentiles. But in Philippi, we don't find a synagogue. We don't find any synagogue. So he, he, he you know, but, and again, we'll, we'll talk about that in, in, in just a minute. So if we look at Acts 16, we see here... Let me go back to Acts 16, um, where they were, you know, where, where they were, um, Paul came and he was talking about his, uh, his vision or his, uh, his trip there. And I'm going to start in verse 6. He says, and they went through the region of uh, Pygeria and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. Now, this is considered Asia, the Middle East, this part is Asia, where Europe starts is right here. Uh, Byzantium, Byzantine, or, or Constantinople, Istanbul, has part of its city in both continents, on both continents, on both Asia and Europe. And it's, it's joined by a, a bridge that, that goes across there now. Back then it didn't have that. But at any rate, he was forbidden to speak in, 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 uh, in Asia. But the spirit... Uh, 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 let's see. So passing by Mysia, they went to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him and saying, "Come to Macedonia and help us." You remember that? You remember that, that story, where Paul saw the vision there, and and you know at this at Troas, and. Uh, so they went. He says, and, and Paul had the same vision, and, and immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel there. So, so when he was in Troas, he heard this, this word. It's about this time that Luke joined Paul's entourage. It was Silas, Timothy, and Paul to, initially, and you know, and others, but about this time. Luke had joined them because if you read all of chapter 16 there, you'll see where it changes from they to we. So you conclude then that Luke had joined the, the entourage. He didn't stay with them all, all for the rest of the time, but he did, you know, they, they, the thought was that they were, that they were there. So, so they went on up to, uh, to Philippi, and when they landed, they looked around, and they couldn't find, uh, you know, they, 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 they were walking around. And I'm trying to find out. It says, we remained in this city, Philippi, for some days. And I'm reading from, uh, let's see, verse 33 now. And on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside where we supposed there was a place of prayer. And we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. One who was a worshiper, of, uh, and I'm sorry, one who heard us was a woman named Lydia. 
and we all know, we all know about Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods who was a worshiper of God. Now, Lydia was, was a Gentile. But somehow she had heard the word through the Jewish faith, through the Jewish church, and believed in God. So she was a worshiper of God, and there she and, and a lot of and several other women were, were there. And of course, Paul preached to them. He spoke to them and explained. And Lydia then became the first European or the first uh, person to accept Christ that we have recorded in Europe. And it started, she started from there. Now, men came later, of course, because of, you know, because of the church, but that's, that's not surprising, is it? Uh, so, they, so they had gone there. Now, she was a seller of purple. Is that significant? Royalty. Sorry? Royalty. Purple is a royal color. A royal color, exactly. You don't find purple in a lot of other places, but you would in a place like Rome or its colony, Philippi. So she was a seller of purple. She would make the cloth or get the cloth and sell it to the, to the, to the royalty, the, the, the hierarchy there and in Philippi. And, and, of course, again, since they were a Roman colony, they had that, that air of royalty, sophistication, whatever, you know, however you want to whatever you want to call it, very successful. Because later on in that same chapter, we see where she invited Paul and his entourage to come stay with in, in her house while, she, while they were in Philippi. Now, what does this tell you? She's got a pretty big house. And people back then didn't have a pretty big house unless you had a pretty big bank account. And so, but she, she invites them and they come and they stay with her. And, and uh, we, we know that Paul refers to, excuse me, refers to Lydia several times uh, in, in other times. But, it, but, but this is, this is the, the introduction, if you would. Um, around this introduction, I guess, or around this, this work in in Philippi, we are introduced to a young man or to a man, a person named Epaphroditus. We don't know a whole lot about Epaphroditus, except that he was chosen by the church in Philippi to bring Paul a gift. And they loaded him down, and he went from, from Philippi to, uh, to, um, to Rome. And, and delivered the gift. One of the advantages of being in Philippi or around Philippi at this time, you know, Rome, one of Rome's successes as, a, as an empire was based on their road, roadway system. Every road leads to Rome. That's the truth. That was the truth in the old days because when they would go into a, into a country or into an area, and, and claim it for Rome, they would build a road back to Rome. And, and from what I understand, a lot of those roads are still in existence, you know, or the remnants are still in existence today where they would, you know, instead of just dirt and, and whatever obstacle there was there, they would, they would put, them, put stones down there and lead the road. So this road from Byzantium, Constantinople, 
came back to, to Rome. Rome's back over here. So, so the, 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 the Via Ignatia, I don't know what that means, except Via was a roadway, I know that. But it connected that part of the empire to Rome. So Epaphroditus left Philippi, went to Rome, Phil, uh, uh, Paul sent him back to Philippi on, on, that, on that road, on the Via Ignatia, Ignatia, or whatever. So anyway, this book then is a thank you note that Paul is writing to the Philippians. But never passing up an opportunity to preach the word, he teaches during this lesson, during this epistle, as, as he does in, in, you know, in all of his other books, or all of his other epistles that he writes, he takes the opportunity to teach and to reinforce and, you know, and, and so on and so forth. Philippi was a Greek city. Macedonia is part of Greece. It was named after a, a, a king, Philip II, or Philip the Great. What's most famous about Philip the Great? He was the father of Alexander the Great. And Alexander the Great expanded the Greek Empire from the steppes of Greece all the way to India, uh, Egypt. Uh, he, he, you know, he, he, his empire, the Greek Empire, preceded the Roman Empire. Only the Roman Empire was bigger, of course. But he, it, was, it was named for, for Philip, Philip II. Um, it was during, it was, um, well, as, as I said, it was, it, I'm, I'm, I've jumped ahead of myself a little bit here. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry about that. Um, but as, as Paul taught and, and, and preached there in Philippi, it was not an easy, it was not an easy thing for them. Because if you remember in the, in, in Acts 16 again, and you could look at that again, he was, um. He was, he was put in prison there. But he was released and, and came back. The good thing about, uh, the other thing about Paul is that he was a Roman citizen. Roman citizens enjoyed a higher status than just the regular person of, a, of another country or, or another part of the empire. They, he would not be tried or he could not be, be, uh, be punished except by a Roman judge or by the, uh, a pharaoh in, in uh, I mean, the, uh, the emperor in, in um or representative of the emperor. So, let's go, let's go back to, to this. Paul was, again, in trouble uh, when he wrote this book. He was in Rome. He was, he was you know, chained to a, a Roman soldier most of the time. He was not allowed to preach the word. He could have visitors, and of course, I'm sure that when the visitors came in, he didn't he preached the word to them, but he could not he could not go outside and and preach. He was um, he, he was you know this has got to have been just a a bad situation for him. He, he just got to have felt like he was you know just so, so activity so curtailed until he you know he he was just now he he talks about joy in this in in his book. Other than a gift of the Spirit, what's the difference between joy and happiness? 
Would you rather be joyful or happy? Happiness is external. Joy comes from within. Happiness is, is circumstantial, would you say? They, they, uh, uh, this makes you happy. That makes you happy. This makes you happy. What makes you joyful? Gift, gift of the, gift of the Holy Spirit. You know, God and your, and your relationship with Him makes you joyful. So you can be very um, troubled or very, uh, you know, um, discriminated against or very uh, whatever it is, and still be joyful. And Paul tells us this in, in, in this book. He says, in all things, rejoice, you know. And, that's, and, and uh, uh, so it, there, is, there is a difference in that. He mentions the word joy or rejoicing or gladness 19 times in these four chapters. So it's not something that he's trying to convince us of. It's something that he truly knows about the joy of knowing and following Christ. And even in these dire straits that he's in, he's still joyful. You know, I'm sure he's not happy because he can't preach. He can't teach. He can't spread God's word, which is what his whole mission was, was set up on. But he is joyful because he knows he's in the center of God's palm, in the, in the, in the palm of God's hand, and he's, he's, he's where God wants him to be, when God wants him to be there for something that's going to come later. And that's, his, that's the, the, the joy that he had. Now, why don't we all have joy? It's a gift of the Holy Spirit. Why don't we all have it? Well, according to one of the authors I wrote, there are four things that keep you from having joy. What would they be? Any of them? One of them? That's not a trick question. Everybody. <laughs> what's, what's one of the things that would keep you from having joy, from keep you from being joyful? Relationship, Relationship with God. Absolutely. Absolutely. Sin. Sin. Circumstances around things that happen would keep us from being joyful. You know, would keep us from knowing that, that God, because we start, why would circumstances? Because we start looking inward and we don't look outward. We don't look to God. We look to, oh, poor me, you know, Eeyore, Eeyore um, in the poo co commercials, in the, I mean, in the poo stories, oh, everything is so bad. Everything is so sad, like, you know, and, and, and we do that. We tend to say, you know, when trouble hits us, we tend to say, why me? Well, my question is, why not me? <laughs> you know, we don't deserve anything other than God's wrath. And yet, you know, he gives us things, he gives us abundant things. So the circumstances would rob us of our joy. How about, how about people? Can they rob you of your joy? Absolutely. If you have a a loved one that doesn't know Christ. You worry about them. You, you, you pray for them. You worry about them. You want them to know Christ because you love them. 
and you want them to be to spend eternity with you, and 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 why not? So, and and other people, uh, people who criticize or, or uh, unjustly accuse you of things, and you know, and things like that. And then, then you know, if we are materialistic or if we are material-minded, that robs us of our joy because we, you know, we, we worry about our bank account. We want to make sure that it's, it's gonna, we're going to have money there when we need it. We worry about our, you know, whatever, fill in the blank, you know, because we, we, we worry about that, and, and which leads to the, you know, to the main crux of it is, is worry. But we're in God's will. You know, not everything we do is in God's will because we are sinners. But we are in, in, his, in his palm. No one, not even you, can take yourself out of it because you are there. And, you, you know, if you, we have his promise of that. And yet we still, we still worry. So we look at, uh, at the world, at the things around us, and, and we, we're, we're robbed of joy. Well, if anybody had any reason not to have joy, it would have been Paul. Because number one, he was worried about his life. He didn't know from one day to the other, you know, whether or not he was going to be tried and condemned. Uh, if he were condemned, he, you know, that was it. They didn't have these three and four and five, six year uh, prison terms before you were executed. They took you out and executed you right on the spot. So that was a, you know, I mean, this was one of his concerns. And it was a daily concern. And yet he still wrote, you know, about this, about this idea called joy. And about this, so, so again, we, we see Paul as our, as our um, um, example there as to how we should actually approach problems. And we know we're going to have them. We know we're going to have them. Because we cannot go through this valley of tears without problems and and yet we have some we have an edge <laughs> we have somebody you know we have a savior who is like us tempted in every way but did not sin he knows our feelings he knows us he knows our prayers before we say them and and so on and so forth so how could we you know how could we let that get us down but we do. But we do. And, and you know, uh, there, was, there, was a, uh, there was a time a few, several, several years ago, uh, and I don't remember exactly. It, was just, it wasn't too long after I became a Christian. But I knew these people, several of them, who everything was happy. They were just happy. They were just wonderfully happy people. And I thought, man, that's, that's just great. That's just great. I mean, and, and even in the troubled times or anything else like that, it was just, just happy, happy, happy. Well, they were new Christians too. And I thought on several occasions, I don't have that new happiness, <laughs> you know. This is not me. I, am I really a Christian? Do I really believe, you know? And, and, and you know, I, but I had to realize that, that, you know, God gives us gifts depending on, on, on what we need at the time, and, and for them it was, it was that. But So in, at any rate, as I said, we're going to have trials and we're going to have turmoil. Uh, 
but we have that edge of being able to, to know that, that we are his people. And we have to be on guard not to allow those thoughts and those circumstances to step between us and, and our Savior. We have got to be able to say no. That, you know, we have got to resist the devil. You know, resist him and he'll flee from you. But you've got, we've got to be able to resist him to keep focused on, on Christ. Being a Christian is not always easy. But who would have it any other way? You know, but it is it is sometimes a struggle. So um, we have to, you know, we have to exercise our minds, our discipline every day to to direct our minds and to to show us in in um, what it is God, you know, what it is God wants for us, and and uh, again. Rejoice in him, knowing that while we are in trouble, we're still in his will or in his hand. Now, again, you know, we'll have these times, but God is always faithful. God's always there. So, with all of that said, as an introduction, we're ready to begin the book of Philippians. Um, if you'll, turn, if you'll turn to Philippians now, we'll go ahead and, and, and get started. Um, and then what we, you know, what we don't know or what we don't see, we'll come back and, and, and discuss at a later time and everything else. Now, you know, I don't believe in, in, in interruptions. So if you want to say something, say it. <laughs> it's not an interruption. It's an interjection. Okay? So you, you know, I, I, if, you, if, I, if I say something that you don't, understand or don't agree with or whatever, please, please interrupt. Let's talk about it uh, and, and we'll go with that, okay? So uh, at any rate, let's just look at, um, at Philippians. Let's look first of all at the, at the introduction. Somebody read verses 1 and 2 for us. Anybody? Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ, Okay, so the first thing we notice there is that Paul's a Presbyterian, right? <laughs> the overseers were the elders and the deacons, and so it got to be a got to be a Presbyterian. So uh, you know, but he's but you know he he's introducing he's in the typical Paulinian way. He lets you know who it is that's writing the letter, or who the letter is from, and in in many cases. Paul would dictate his letter and, and somebody else would write it, a secretary or, or something to that effect. But it was all of Paul's words and, and it, was his, it was his intent and, and, and so on and so forth. So Paul and Timothy there in, 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 uh, in Rome writing to the servants of, Jesus, of Christ Jesus to all the saints who are at Philippi with the overseers and the deacons. Grace and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, Paul is, is you know, laying, laying out his, his 
<coughs> belief there. This is a, this is a pretty formal uh, type of salutation. It's a pretty common type of, uh, of salutation that he does in, in, in many of his, in practically all of his books, all of his epistles. And then he goes on into, uh, into the, uh, the next few, the next 10 verses there, uh, or the next nine verses. And can somebody read that for us? Three through 11. Okay, so he continues in in this, you know, following up on the salutation there, that that he is he is preaching back to the people in Philippi, the Lord Jesus Christ. How many times is his name mentioned in that ten passage in, in those eleven verses there? So he's preaching back to them and telling them of this. Can you hear the the? Thanks, the thankfulness and the and the appreciation in Paul's letter here that, that he's that he is so thankful for them because of uh, and, I, and I'm sure I don't we have no idea what he what he got but I'm sure he wasn't thanking them for the gifts he was thanking them for the thought and 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 the prayers that went behind that gift you know you say well it's not the gift it's the thought that counts it's true, you know, for this, because they, they gave him, they, they brought him all of these. He says, I thank God in my remembrance of you always in every prayer of mine for you, all making my prayer with joy because of the partnership of the gospel from the first day until now. His, that gift to Paul shows Paul that the, the, the root of what Paul had preached had taken note, had taken root there, the, the, it had come forward and, and, and bloomed because the people of Philippi, that's a long way from Rome over there. They, that's a long way. And they had, you know, it, it was, you know, it took, a, uh, it, it took a, a grateful heart to be able to, to gather that, to organize it, and to send it on in there. And, and, and again, of course, we recognize this, this verse is, is one of the more recognizable ones, I think, in here. And he says, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of, of Jesus Christ. Again, knowing that, that, that this word or this, this teaching has, has gone into it, he knows that it's, you know, and, and, and he's thanking them for their steadfastness. For their, uh, for, their, for their love of him and for their love of the word. Um, and, uh, he, you know, he, he, he just, it's just a, a, um, a pouring out of, of thanksgiving, a pouring out of gratitude 
uh, to these people. Uh, and again, you, you think that, that you know, Paul may not, may not see tomorrow. And yet he is still talking about, about Jesus and about the, the, uh, about the, the, the blessings of, of Christ and the preachings of Christ. Um, did anything in this passage, uh, you know, stir your mind or stir your thoughts or, add, or, or your curiosity or anything as far as these, uh, <coughs> oh, excuse me, you know, it says, for God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and discernment. You know, uh, that, that's, just, that's just really beautiful, okay? This <laughs> is really, really something. And, and, you know, and it all comes through Jesus Christ to the glory. From the time he, he, he presented the gospel to Lydia and her group, you know, it, it has just, you know, and that's got to be rewarding. I mean, that has just got to be a, a, a tremendous feeling, you know, that, that someone has when they see that happening, and you know it is. Any other thoughts or any other questions? We're going to close there. Oh, I'm sorry, Jane. Uh, Absolutely, absolutely. I also wonder how the Philippians must have felt reading this for Paul, wondering here he is in prison and facing such persecution. Yeah. And then for them to hear how much he just cares about yeah. their relationship with the Lord and yeah. how exciting that would have been for them to know he hasn't given up hope. Right. You know, right. that had to be so encouraging for them. And, and knowing how long it took Epaphroditus to come back from Rome to Philippi, you know, wondering if Paul was even still alive, you know. Yep. I just think that the profundity of having been the object of having experienced grace when he was a murderer, yeah. you know, and he had zeal in the opposite direction, and just to, yeah. to know what he'd been forgiven and taught by God to, to want to share that with everyone. Yeah. His zeal is, is infectious. Yeah. It is. It's a beautiful thing. And, that's, that's, you know, and then he says, you know, later on in, in the other letters, he says, you know, he says, I above all, you know, Pharisee of Pharisees, the Jew of all Jews, you know, I mean, I'm just, I had a great future in the Jewish church, and, and yet I met Jesus, and that changed it all. And, and he knew that all of that was, you know, he'd give it up for everything, you know, for nothing. There's an amazing guy. Anything else? Anybody else have any thoughts? Gary. I'm reading the biography on Mm -hmm. Someone asked Dr. Sproul, what is the definition of a Christian? And they expected some deep theological answer there. And he says, it's someone that loves Jesus. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's perfect. And I was going to say this prayer is not only a good prayer to pray for ourselves, but also other believers and particularly our own children and yeah. grandchildren. That is a delight. Yes. Especially for those who, 
we have, you know, for those children we have that don't know Christ or that have known him and rejected him, you know. Yeah, yeah, this is true. Anything else? I think you're absolutely right, Tom. Because I think if we don't have that prayer life, if we don't if we don't remind ourselves daily of the of the majesty and the wonder of God and the sacrifice of Christ, then we let all kind of other stuff come into our minds and into our hearts, and that that robs us of that joy. Anything else? Anybody else? Okay. All right, well, let's, uh, let's just close in prayer then. Kip, would you mind closing this, please, sir? And-